Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. We are in the middle of a series entitled, My Father Is. A great series, and the reason why I picked this particular spoken word to play this morning is because I believe that a lot of people uh, have the issue of identifying the characteristics of what a father is and who a father is through our Heavenly Father. Uh, in this particular spoken word, individual cried and complained to God about how life wasn't fair, complied and complained about the loss of family members, and as a result of it, uh, he blamed God, but I believe that in the midst of this series, what we've talked about, we've come to understand so many great different things, and the number one thing is that we understood that we don't have to blame God, and the reason why we don't have to blame God, if you don't take nothing else away from this message on today, I need you to take away this simple fact, and the reason is that we need to understand that God does not have a desire to dictate nor to destroy our lives. Many of us are failing because we think that God has a desire to dictate and destroy our lives. And when we look at God as a dictator or a destroyer, nobody wants a real relationship with someone who is always telling them what to do and how to do it. And so we want, I want to make sure before we go any further today, you know that the myth that God is trying to control you is not true. Second thing that I want to make sure that you understand, now that you realize that God is not trying to control you, I want you to understand that God desires to develop us to reach our destiny. That's what God is out to do. He's out to develop us to reach our destiny. And so in life, when things happen, sometimes it seems wrong, it seems rough, but I promise you that it is simply a form of development that is trying to help you reach your destiny. Now that you know that God is not out to dictate to you, that God is not out to destroy you, but you know that God is out to develop you, maybe you can understand the characteristics of a father. When we started this series off uh, this couple of weeks ago, we started off understanding that our father, my father, is a provider. Uh, we began to look at at the text that we found in, in, in Psalms 23 and that shares with us through David's perspective, through David's eyes, that there is some uniqueness about how David sees God as a shepherd that helps us understand who God is as a father. David identifies God as a shepherd that is there to provide for him. He, got, he shows that he doesn't have to worry about anything. He doesn't have to be concerned about anything. Matter of fact, let us take a moment and find ourselves in Psalms 23. And as we're finding ourselves to Psalms 23, if you can just simply repeat after me and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. This is what it says in Psalms 23. Uh, and I'll read from the New American Standard Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness. 
for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. The Bible says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David starts Psalms 23 off by simply saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He reminds us that because God is our shepherd, we know that there's nothing that we have to be concerned about. There's nothing that we have to worry about or look for because God is a provider. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wake up in the need of something or matter of fact, let's just be real. I want something. And as a result of me not having it, I struggle sometimes trusting God to provide it for me. You know, to make this point make sense, my son, I love him dearly, but one of the things Isaiah desires from me all the time is food. He's a growing young man. He wants to eat. It seems like it doesn't matter if he just woke up or is about to go to sleep. Isaiah wants to eat, and as a result of Isaiah wanting to eat, I have a responsibility to feed him. One of the things, I don't mind Isaiah telling me if he's been gone all day that he's hungry, but what does get me is when Isaiah comes and he knows that I know that he has to eat. When he wakes up in the morning and I know that he needs his breakfast to have a good day, and what he does is he comes to me and asks me for something to eat knowing that I already have a plan and I'm already prepared to feed him. And so I have to tell Isaiah all the time, because I'm your father, you don't have to remind me when you're hungry. I know what you need and when you need it. And as a result of it, I will provide it for you. Just the other day, we went to Chick-fil-A, and I guess he thought he had a job, and he was going to tell me how to spend the money that was in my wallet. And so I had to tell Isaiah, hold on, pause, wait just one split second. I'm the daddy, you're the son. I will order you what I think you need. Far too often, Isaiah's eyes is bigger than his stomach. And I don't have money to waste. He may think that food is just there and we roll up the Chick-fil-A and they, we slide that card and that money is just always going to be there. But the reality is that it may not be there someday. And so as a result of it, I have to give him what he needs, when he needs, but not always what he wants. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's nothing that I need for, that I, I can desire that God will not provide. The reason why many of us are let down, the reason why many of us are, are, are in a position where we discredit God and what he wants and will do in our lives is because we spend more time wanting things that we don't even need. Can I help somebody today? What would your bank account be like if you only bought the things that you need? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, some of the ladies that have to get extra nail polish on the nails or, or acrylic. I, I, I know uh, you might be a fella like me that has to have extra shoes in your closet. I, I know right now if I could get a refund on some of those shoes that I've only worn one time. I know that my bank account will look a lot better because I got what I want, I mean what I need, and not what I wanted. Many of us waste a lot because we're always wanting. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, in essence, because of the relationships that he has with God, 
he knows that God will provide all his needs so I don't have to worry about anything else. I don't need to worry about the extra. I don't know how great it must have felt for David just to be able to go through life knowing that the only thing I need is what God is going to provide for me. I don't know how amazing it is because I, I sometimes still get beside myself and think I need to tell God what I need instead of accepting what he has for me. David teaches us, and if you want to know more about God being a provider, go watch week one of the series on the app. Week two, we talked about not only is he a provider, but he's also a protector. And the reason why it was so important for us to talk about him as a protector, because the reality is that some of us have been uh, abused by fathers or male figures in our lives, and we don't know what it means to say that, God, you are my protector. I can trust you in the midst of everything that I'm going through. I can trust you that when times get hard, you will provide for me. I can trust you that you will cover me, that you will, you will show me favor and grace. I, I can trust you that you will work on my behalf. You are my protector. David looks in the text. He, he reminds us that he is our protector because he says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quarter waters. He restores me my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. But then he gets to verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, David? Why would you fear no evil? Because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David finds comfort in the word of God. It's hard to find comfort in something you don't even read. I can just be honest with you today, it's hard to find comfort in something you don't even listen to. Most of us, when we come to church, it's more about a fashion show or just to catch up with our family as if it was the only place that we can have a legit family reunion. The reality is, if you want the Word of God to comfort you, then you have to allow the Word of God to take rule and reign in your life. If you're not willing to allow the Word of God to take rule and reign in your life, then there's no possible way that God's Word can comfort you. David teaches us that God is a protector. But today, because I know that we have a second service today, I want to share with you that God is not only a provider, he's not only a protector, but he is a promoter. And so today I want to draw your attention to Psalms 23, verse 5. And these are the words that you'll find there. And it simply reads as this. Uh, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Today as we look at this particular verse, I want to talk to you and I want to make sure that you understand that not only is your father a provider, not only is he a protector, but the father that we have, the heavenly father that we have, he is also a promoter. Can you look at somebody and say, my father is a promoter? Yeah, my father is a promoter. Somebody might not understand what it means to be a promoter by what it means to have a promoter in your corner my dad i have an awesome dad right now he's outside on that grill making sure we got something to eat later on today uh one of the things that my dad has done in my life over and over and more so recently than in past times is that he always promotes me uh, my dad will sit in on sunday morning messages and he will 
take notes. He has this photographic memory. And then when he gets to work, he'll go to work and he'll share the message with his friends. And every once in a while, he may miss something and he'll call me on the phone and he says, Pastor, Pastor, even though he's my father, he says, Pastor, what was that third point? I know the first point was this, the second point was this, but I'm trying to tell these fellas this at the job. What was that third point? Because that could make a difference. And I tell him whatever the point is and he shares it with his friend. He said, man, that's my boy. That's, that's my son. He's my pastor. He's my son, but he's my pastor. Y'all need, need to come check him out. And he does this because he loves me. He loves me, he believes in me, and he supports me. And so, therefore, my father is a promoter of me. My father is not a hater. My father is not trying to hold me back. My father is not trying to keep me from reaching my destiny, but my father is doing his best to propel me in the direction that God has called me to go. Pastor, why are you sharing this with you? Because God is not your hater. God does not desire, as I said before, he does not desire to dictate to you. He does not desire to destroy you, but he desires to develop you. And the reason why he wants to develop you is because he's trying to get you from where you are to where you need to be. But the reason why many of us fail in understanding the value of God promoting you promoting you in your relationship, promoting you on your job, promoting you in your friends, promoting you in your church. The reason why so many of us fail at understanding the value of being promoted is because we can't identify when God is promoting us. We don't see when God is promoting us. And as a result of us not being able to identify the characteristics of what it means for God to promote us, we tend to avoid the very thing that God is trying to call us to. We choose, we choose to run from it instead of running towards it. And so today, today the objective is that when you leave here, you have a different perspective. You have a different outlook of what it means to be promoted by God. I want to share with you something today that every promotion ain't always peaches and cream. I don't know if you've ever been promoted on a job, but sometimes when you get promoted, the workload is greater. People are hating on you. It does not always become simple just because you've been promoted. Matter of fact, let me say it like this. To whom much is given, guess what? Much is required. God is trying to promote you, but because of the fact that you don't understand it and you're running from the responsibility of it, you're stuck in your situation. And as a result of it, you keep going to God and praying, God, why am I still here? Why am I still going through this? Why am I still in this bad relationship? Why am I still on this horrible job? Why am I still going through this hardship? It's not that God wants to leave you there. He's trying to promote you from that situation. He's trying to bring you out, but the reality is you can't see it. So today I want to help you see it. I want to help you understand that there are three stages there are three stages to God's promotion, I believe, what I've seen in the text. And these three stages are simply this. Every promotion, write it down, take a picture. Every promotion has a three-stage layout in this whole thing. And this is what it is. I believe that God always gives you a setup. He'll always set you apart, and he will set you above. Come on, understand that today. Somebody says set up, set apart, and set you above. 
I know y'all don't understand what that means right now, but I promise you if you can give me about 15 more minutes, five, five minutes for every point, I want to make sure that you understand that what God is doing in your life is either a set up, a set apart, or set above. And I want to make sure that you understand whatever it is that God is doing at this particular point in your life, you need to embrace it 100%. David writes it like this in the text. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Catch this. He says, you have anointed my head with with all my cup overflows the first thing that David says is that you prepare a table before me and the presence of mine enemies Let's everybody say that's the, that's the setup you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies this is what a setup is a setup is simply this the setup is the first point and then what it does is it shows you the awareness of God the setup and a promotion exposes you to the awareness of God. Look at what God does to David. Look at what David says. He says, you prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The reason why many of us fail to be promoted by God is because when God puts us in the presence of our enemies, we get so focused in fighting the enemies that we forget that God has placed us there. Somebody missed that. Look at the text. Read it slow. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I don't know if the enemies are sitting down or if the enemies are just standing up watching, but I know that God has prepared this table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Why do you need to understand this? Because I need you to realize that what God wants to do with you it's not always about who's against you. It's not always the people who are around you are holding you back. Can I help you understand? There are some people who are against you in your life. And you are so focused on them. And as a result of it, you can't get to where God wants you to be. You're so focused about how this man treat me wrong. How he can't really love me. Well, you're forgetting that God is simply showing you that because he needs you to move around. You wonder why every time you're trying to start a new relationship or trying to do right, somebody keep inboxing you or texting you. It's okay. God needs to show that you are you have favor. We spend so much time running from conflict that isn't even there. When I picture this particular text and I hear God saying, you prepared a table before me and the presence of my enemies. I wish I had a table here today because all I can see is God having this big room and he's saying, Chris, come and sit down. All I can see is a table that's full of everything that I would love to eat. Turkey necks, oxtails, catfish, barbecue, fried chicken, everything that I would love to have is laid out on this table. And this is what God says, Chris, you can sit down. I prepared this table before you in the presence of your enemies. In other words, Chris, you can sit down, you can eat whatever it is that you want to eat, but they can't have none. They can't have none. You know what this puts me in the mind of is understanding that God will fight your battles. You know what most of us are doing when God is inviting us into a room in the presence of our enemies and inviting us to sit down at a table and eat? Before we even sit down, what we doing, we walk, you can't have none. Uh, what did you do in here? 
You don't even need to be a part of it. I'm deleting you. I'm blocking you. We're spending more time fighting with the people who are there just to spectate instead of us sitting down and actually participating. You walk into the room and you fail the setup. You fail the setup of God saying, I want to take you higher. You wonder why your marriage isn't being fixed. You wonder why your children are still frustrating you. You wonder why you can't get nowhere on your job because you're so focused on them and you ain't even looking at this. Do you have to? You, oh, I need you to understand this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I prepared a table before you in the presence of my enemies. It's me, the tables, my enemies. On the table is my blessing. On the table is my breakthrough. But when I focus on my enemies, guess what I have to do? Overlook the table. Somebody needs to understand that today. When I'm sitting there and God has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, he's laid out everything that I needed on the table. My enemies are on the opposing side. And if I want to fight with my enemies, if I want to argue with them, I have to overlook my blessing. I have to overlook my breakthrough just to argue with them. But we want to come and say, God, you don't love me. God, I'm trying to move up. You ain't, you're not helping me. David says, man, you prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That is a beautiful thing. The next time you go to work and somebody that's there that's always hating on you, you shouldn't even argue with them. You should just look at them and smile. You prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. God is trying to set you up. But because you keep wanting to show out, you keep failing the process. Because you keep wanting to do things your way. He, you didn't have to do anything. You didn't prepare the table. He prepared the table. He's setting you up for favor. He's setting you up for grace. But because of the simple fact that you want to fight, you want to argue, you keep missing out. I prepared a table before you. The presence of my enemies is a setup. The second point that he teaches us, not only does he set us up, but he, he seeks to set us apart. He seeks to set us apart. And what I want you to understand about the setting apart is when God sets you apart, what he's doing, he's exposing you to the anointing of God. He's exposing you to the anointing of God. He's setting you apart. It's one thing to be set up, but it's something else when God sets you apart. I don't think y'all remember David, when he was anointed to be king, he was not there first. He was not there first. He was the last of the brothers to show up on the scene. They didn't even want to bring David out, matter of fact. The only reason Jesse called for David is because Samuel couldn't make none of the oil flow on anybody else. Can I help you understand something? You don't have to worry about your enemy Ooh, getting your blessings. Because what God has for you is for you. You ain't got to worry about nobody else getting your man. Because the man that God has for you is for you. You don't have to stress about nobody else getting your job. Because what God has for you is for you. Now look at the text. He, he sets them up, then he, he sets them apart. How do you know that he sets them apart? Because when all the other brothers fail, Samuel said, Jesse, do you have no other one? Because I know God didn't make a mistake. I know God sent me here. And he says, you have a son. God didn't make up. I know what God said. And Jesse had to say, well, I got another one, but he ain't nothing but a little runt. 
Boy, he ain't fit to be nobody king. He out there with the sheep. I'm just saying none of us eating until he get here. I prepared the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Sometimes your enemies is even your family. They have to sit there. They have to wait for David to come. David is called out. David comes out. And when David comes out, Samuel speaks to him. Samuel places all above. And the all just begins to flow. The blessings that were stopped up against everybody else begins to flow on him. Why? Because God is anointing him. Why is he anointing him? Because he's setting him apart. He ain't just like everybody else. God wants to do something great, something miraculous through him. God wants to do something special through him. Let me tell you something. This is reason why, number two, that we fail the, the promoting part of God. Because we don't want to accept our anointing. We don't want to accept our anointing. We still want to do what Pookie and Shamia and everybody else doing. We still want to go to the clubs. We still want to turn up. Still want to twerk. Still want to do everybody, everything that everybody else is doing. Not, not, not putting anybody else down because we've all been in that dark place at one point in time. But when God has anointed you, I want you to understand something. That means that he has bestowed something upon you that has to bring you out of where you are. You have to be a living, walking example. You want to know why things sometimes aren't coming together in your life? Maybe it's not that you're focusing on your haters because maybe you got it all together and you ain't worrying about people hating on you. But maybe it's because of the fact that you don't want to accept who God has called you to be. You don't want to accept that God has called you out of a life of single and called you to live like you're married, which means that some people in your life you might have to shake you might have to let them go. You don't want to accept that God has called you to be a manager, but you still want to be all, be the friends with everybody on your job. That may be why you have not left the entry level and moved on to the next level. You don't want to understand that God has not called you to be broke. And because of the fact that he wants you to be prosperous, it requires you to put some policies in place that restricts you from spending what you don't because of the fact you don't want to accept your anointing. You choose to live where you are. You settle for that. Imagine what would have happened if Samuel would have came to anoint David. And David was there. And every time Samuel tried to pour the oil on David, David moved. I don't want that on me. That ain't my calling. Don't speak that in my life. Mm -mm, get that away from me. Mm -mm, I ain't going to be nobody, mama. I ain't going to be no good wife. Mm -mm, I ain't going to be this positive. Mm -mm, get that away from me. That's literally what we're doing. God has spoken some things in your life and you just steady dodging. It's dodgeball. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I don't want it. And as a result of it, the reason why you fail to be promoted is because you don't want to, you don't want to accept the fact that you're supposed to be set apart. You're so worried about what people are going to say about you. Do you know the minute that that all poured out on David's head, everybody hated him and his family? Instantly. Preach with me, Kemp. Everybody hated him and his family. Every brother that came before him that thought it was going to be them hated him. The daddy that talked about him, that overlooked him, hated him. Instantly. That's what anointing brings you. It does not always bring you to a, a, a better position. 
But what it does bring you is it sets you apart. Why do you have to be set apart? Because in order for God to show you off, you got to look different than everybody else. Can I, can I help you today? Can I, can I help you understand something? If you're truly set apart, if you're truly worth something, you have to look different than everybody else. <laughs> when I think about this, I think about when I go to the grocery store, I hate, uh, you know, the people that get them fancy new cars or just a new car, period. They don't want nobody to bump their cars. Two things they'll do. One, they're going to take up two lanes, park right in the middle, make sure you don't hit their car because I don't want no scratch. Or two, they go park way at the back. And the reason why they do this is because they want to make sure people know that this car is set apart. It ain't like all the rest of y'all old ragged cars. This is a new car. This is my car. Essentially, that's what God is trying to do to you. You may be a car, just like every other car, but God sees something great that he can do within you. And so he sees fit that I need to set you apart. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be in the vicinity of everybody else because I need you to be there because I need them to see you. But what I'm going to do with you is going to be different than everybody else. And everybody hate them people that park in two lanes, what they call. Don't nobody like it. Why did you do that? Especially when it's right up front. They hate it. It's like, why did you do that? Be wanting to block them in. And the reason why we're hating them is because they care so much about what they have, thank you, Holy Spirit, that they set it apart. God cares about you so much that he desires to set you apart. But when you say, God, I don't want to be set apart. I want to be just like everybody else. I want to experience the same thing that everybody else experienced. When you see that happens and you say, God, I don't want it, you begin to play spiritual dodgeball. You begin to run from the very thing that God has called you to. And so we see point number one, he sets us up. Point number two, he sets us apart. Point number three, I need you to get this, and then we'll get on out of here. When God sets you up, he sets you apart. The last thing that he wants to do in your life is that he wants to set you above. He wants to set you above. And what does it mean to be set above? When God sets you above, what he's doing, he's exposing you to the abundance of God. He's exposing you to the abundance of God. Pastor, what do you mean he's exposing me to the abundance? Look at what David says. He, he says in, in verse 5, you prepare the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's the set up. You have anointed my head with all. That's the set apart. But then he goes to the final part of the, the stanza of the text. And he, he says this simply as this. He says, uh, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. What does it mean for my cup to overflow? In order for my cup to overflow, that means that something that has been placed within me is running over on the outside of me. And the crazy thing that is when God does something on the inside of me, it should have a natural effect that he loves me so much he don't know when to stop. And it begins to roll over on the outside of me. Now catch this. This is why he sets you above. Because whatever God puts on the inside of you should flow on the outside of you and it should affect everything around you. I don't think y'all understand the value of that. The reason why many of us block our promotion is because God can't do nothing with you. When he wants to put something on the inside of you, in order for it to flow on the outside of you, this is what many of us are doing. Number one, this is what we're doing. When God begins to flow on the inside of us, we watch him. 
And when he gets just enough, we put a cap on it. We put a cap on it because we're so greedy. We greedy with our blessings. We don't want nobody else to have anything that God has given to us. This is why many of us will never get anywhere financially. Because when God is blessing us financially and we get, we get all frustrated and flustered with the church, we ain't giving nothing to the church. We put a cap on it. This is all I'm going to give them. That's it. And you wonder why you can't get nothing else. Can I tell you something? Anything that God does for you and to you is for everybody else to see. It's for everybody else to experience. God, only reason is to use you is so that he can get the glory. If you're already a believer and you've already accepted him, then he's got the glory for you. He's got the glory from you. But in order for him to get somebody glory from somebody else through you, he has to use you. Because if he just blesses them in the state that they're in, they're not going to give him the credit. And so catch this, because he set you up, set you apart, now he wants to set you above. He wants to set you above because now that I've set you up, I put you in the room with the people. I set you apart, I made sure they knew that you ain't like them. Now I want to set you above them. I want to do some things in your life. But the word, when I do it in your life, I need it to flow over in their life. Catch this. In order for God to work with you and through you, you have to stop being so selfish. The reason why many of us have not seen God as a promoter, because there are different areas in our lives where we won't allow God to promote us. We're selfish. We're trying to keep everything for ourselves. We don't want to be set up. We don't want to be set apart. And we sure don't want to be set above. We think that when God sets us above, it's for us to look down at people and point our finger at them. Look at you. Look at where you ain't making. <laughs> you a <are> nobody. <laughs> look what I got. Social media has made us so awful at that. Social media, you and your best friend been single your whole life. Now, y'all, now you got a man, you just, ooh, look at me, boo. Me and boo going to eat. <laughs> me and boo going to sleep. <laughs> me and boo going to the movies. You want to throw everything in everybody's face. What's the bad stuff going on in your life? Why you ain't talking about that on social media? Talk about why you can't pay your light bill. Ooh, me and Boo went out to eat and we can't pay light bill this month. Why you ain't talking about that? You want to put everything else in everybody's face because you want to feel like you high and mighty. When you've been set up, set apart, and set above, the only thing you have to do is just be there. You ain't got to say nothing. The Bible says you know them by the fruit that they bear. Only reason I'm going to say this, because the, the older member of the church just said, is sometimes you just got to be in position and shut up. I usually don't say shut up, but the reality is that some of us run our mouths too much. And as a result of running our mouths too much, we take the focus and the credit away from God. Sometimes you just got to be quiet. David says, that my cup overflows. I want you to understand something. The overflowing of his cup was never a problem. Just this morning, just this morning when I got here on today, my wife put, my wife put a container in my, in my office. And she put that container in my office. And when she put that container in my office, it was full of ice. It was full of water. And as a result of it, it began to do what I thought was overflowing. It began to get my chair wet. I began to panic. I freaked out. 
I grabbed the container. I said, hey, hey, do you not know that this is leaking on my check? She looked at it. I said, I said, it must be crack. Something must be wrong with it. It's defective. This can't be in my office. And so she looks at it. She says, baby, I don't think it's cracked. I don't think nothing's wrong with it. She says, I just think it's, it's sweating. And I had to think about that a minute. What do you mean this ice water is sweating? Sometimes when you fill a cup full of ice and water, the density is so full that somehow what's on the inside of it has to begin to leak on the outside of it. Now catch this, that water ain't going to do my chair no harm. But because it looked like it was, I panicked. This is what many of us are doing with the blessing that God has given us. Many of us, with the blessing that God has given us, we have taken the liberty of because things are overflowing, because things don't look right. We're complaining about it. God, you didn't mean for this money to me to have this much to bless the church. No, no, hold on, stop. Let me put a cap on this thing. God, you didn't mean for me to be this happy in my relationship. Let me put a cap on this thing. And so what we begin to do is we begin to limit what God really wants to do. How do you know that the devil is trying to trick you into limiting what God is trying to do? Because the devil will always get you to complain about what should have been a blessing from the beginning. When you look at your relationship, if you're always complaining about your relationship and you know that your relationship is a blessed, ordained relationship by God, despite its flaws, if you're always complaining about it, that's nothing but the trick of the enemy trying to get you to put a cap on what God want to do with y'all. If you're always complaining about your finances when you forget just a year or two years ago you was broke and didn't have a job on the brink of being evicted out of your home, but God has at least helped you to come from being broke and on the verge of eviction to being able to leave, live paycheck to paycheck, how dare you complain about living paycheck to paycheck when you almost didn't have nothing? You putting a cap on it. David does not complain about his cup overflowing. Why? Because he says, if God gave it to me, he knows when to stop. He knows when enough is enough. And so, God, if you want to set me up by putting me around people that don't like me, and then you want to set me above while I'm around those people and you want to anoint me, God, I will settle for you setting me above and exposing me to your abundance. So that they can see that it's not just me that can be blessed, but they can be blessed too. It's not just me that God loves, but God loves you too. When I sit around and I look at the vacant seats in our facility, I think about the people who are walking around that none of us, have shared the abundance of God with. That none of us have simply just shared the abundance of God's love with and told them, listen, God loves you too. We can't wait for perfect people. 
to come into our lives. It's the broke, it's the jacked up, it's the people who are hurting that God wants to do so much with. Why? Because it's those people that he can set up, he can set apart, and he can set above. If you already got it together, what else is he going to do with you? My father is a promoter. And in order for God to promote you, he has to have a purpose for you, and he has to be able to be proud of you. God was proud of David. And I believe that God is proud of each of us in this room. And if he's not proud of you, he wants to be. But the reality is, is what becomes of your life from this day is up to you. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows your heart to do so. Uh, You can also download our app by going to Google Play or the app store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.